It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network presents... Locked On Sports Today. Kyler Murray is officially set to return this week. Why did the Cardinals do that? Also, James Harden and the Clippers head to Brooklyn. And what do the Washington Huskies have to do? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Arizona Cardinals have officially activated Kyler Murray for the playoff push. Oh, wait. I'm hearing that they're one and eight and maybe the worst team in the NFL. Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals joins me now. Maybe he can confirm some of that information that I'm hearing in my ear. Um, Alex, there's been an expectation that the Cardinals would wait, especially if they're losing games. Caleb Williams, Drake May, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So why have they they, uh, spoiled this bowl of lucky charms? Very happy you asked me that, Peter Bukowski. the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is a QB one. So if the Cardinals sure. have the ability to have that under, you know, wearing an Arizona Cardinals uniform already, they'll still have a top seven pick because they've they have a bad roster, and they'll still arguably be able to get the top offensive lineman, the top edge rusher, the top corner. Kyler Murray coming back, playing well, and maybe losing more games than they win is the best case scenario showing that with him playing well and, you know, and on to 2024 after that. Yeah. The thing that I'm being a little facetious, right? Because mm-hmm. we like to have fun about this one, but they're already one and eight. Like the die is cast in a lot of ways. Like this is going to be a losing season. They're going to get a top 12 to 15 pick almost no matter what happens. So I understand that you and I have talked offline about mm-hmm. culture and how this team has, despite the one and eight record, then in a lot of these games that they, frankly, their roster has no business being in these games. And it seems like their, their view is we value building something here more than we value asset accumulation. Does that seem like a, a, a fair assessment here? Well, yeah, you, you want to toe that line. I mean, you want to straddle that fence where it's like you can accumulate, ta- you can accumulate you know, draft capital or talent while building and, and, and providing the, what I've called this entire season, the proof of concept that this new regime is trying to, you know, bricklay as their players start to come back. And I mean, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are back. James Conner could be activated off the IR this week. Kyler Murray's going to come back. Like, this is when you get to watch what they've got in-house already and where they really, it's like putting dye in your air conditioner thing to see where the holes are. Like, that's what the rest of the season is for the Cardinals, to find where they can utilize 
their massive amounts of draft capital in the top three rounds and the massive amount of cap space they're going to have compared to what they've had over the last couple of years in an effort to really turn that worst to first mentality into fruition or as close to that as possible. Only someone Phoenix based would be talking about air conditioners in uh, early November. Just flex on all of us, Alex. Thank you very much. We're freezing over here in the rest of the country. So as we try and set reasonable expectations for this Cardinals team, yes, they have Kyler Murray back, but there's still not a lot elsewhere on this roster. So what does Kyler, when you have a quarterback who can do what he can, what does he help you evaluate? Because that seems like that's going to be the mode they're in the rest of the way. Evaluation mode. Who is part of the real core of this team moving forward? How does he help them do that? Who does he help them do that for? It's namely the offensive line first. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr. has been very good, all things considered, yeah. on the right side. I mean, Pro Football Focus isn't a huge fan of him. He's, he's been in the low 60s, high 50s, but he's played every snap, hasn't given up a whole bunch of sacks. Um, the rest of the offensive line is the problem. DJ Humphrey's now injured. Uh, Elijah Wilkerson, who was on IR, was the starting left guard. Uh, Jolti Frold, the center, has been fine. And Will Hernandez is now hurt. So three out of the five starting offensive linemen to start the season are not playing right now. So that's going to be problematic. But the the big name one is going to be the wide receiver room, Hollywood Brown. Is he a wide receiver one? Do you keep him and give him $20 million a year because he and Kyler Murray are best friends? They play together in college. Uh, Michael Wilson, who has had standouts at times this year, third-round pick out of Stanford, who looks to be a guy they can trust on the outside, Rondell Moore. It's going to be more like that Trey McBride pass catchers because the defense is really they, – they were an afterthought this offseason. You know, you drafted a couple defensive guys, but it's really about the offense. And it's a lot better to infuse plug and play defensive talent in this day and age than offensive in a lot of cases. And that's why kind of putting a micro, uh, microscope around this offense as a whole in Drew Petzing's system to see what they have moving forward for the future is, is of optimal concern at this point. Stay up to date all year on the Arizona Cardinals by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Cardinals on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, James Harden is heading back to Brooklyn with the Clippers. How is this experiment going? Before we get to that, Aaron Rodgers gives a timeline for his return. Sort of. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. The Clippers are favorite on the road against the Nets. FanDuel has the Clippers favored by four with Harden in his return to BK. You can also combine bets for a bigger parlay, combine multiple bunny lines, or create a single-game parlay with multiple prop bets parlays. Man. They make sports watching a little bit more fun. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and do the NFL season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. For the first time since tearing his Achilles tendon, New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers, still getting used to saying New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers, he revealed a vague timeline for when he hopes to return, hinting Tuesday that he could be back on the field in six-ish weeks. The exact quote he gave on the Pat McAfee show was, it'll be a few fortnights. Eight weeks removed from surgery, Rodgers sparked speculation about his return Monday night after the Jets' 27-6 home loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. During the post-game handshakes, he told Charger safety Derwin James that he intends to play in a few weeks. What he said was, I'll be back on the field. He said, give me a few weeks. He claims that was just a few weeks. He said, not nearly enough to Pat McAfee as well. So... It seems pretty unlikely we're going to see him at some point this season, especially if the Jets keep playing like this. The Los Angeles Rams signed quarterback Carson Wentz to back up an injured Matthew Stafford. They watched one week of Brett Rippon and said, we've seen enough, apparently. The Rams made their signing during their bye week, giving Wentz time to get acclimated to Los Angeles' offense. Stafford left the Rams' week eight loss to the Dallas Cowboys with a sprained ulnar collateral ligament, also known as the UCL, in his right thumb and did not play the following week against the Green Bay Packers, a game they lost. He was replaced by quarterback Brett Rippon, who completed just 46% of his passes for 130 yards and an interception. The Rams waved Rippon on Tuesday. Linebacker Blake Martinez, who retired from the NFL during the 2022 season and later was involved in a Pokemon card scandal that got national attention, joined the Carolina Panthers on Tuesday as a member of the practice squad. Neither head coach Frank Reich nor defensive coordinator Jiro Everill ruled out the possibility Martinez could play could play in Thursday night's primetime game against the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. Another spectacular Thursday night game on the way. And over on the ice, the Wild took on the Islanders. Probably going to be hard to top the rest of the year as they score 19 seconds into this game as Pat Maroon gets his second goal of the season on literally the first shift of the game. Uh, more on Pat Maroon, Jewel Erickson Eck, and Marcus Foligno coming up. But um, up and down the list for the Minnesota Wild here tonight, you look at what they were able to accomplish. Got a power play goal late in this one after uh, a few power plays that were a little bit disjointed, to say the least. The penalty kill was four of five on the night. The Wild defense looked good. Marc-Andre Fleury looked good. Uh, uh, I mean... Take your pick as to the things that um, that went well for the Minnesota Wild here tonight. And it really was encouraging um, to see the Wild build off of the end of that Rangers game and really carry it into this one against the New York Islanders. Here is another story you need to know. It was New York versus L.A., but more importantly, it was the debut of James Harden in an L.A. Clippers uniform, a 111-97 win for the New York Knicks. Darian Vaziri from Locked On Clippers joins me now. And if you just look at the box score, Darian, you go, okay, well, nice debut from James Harden, ramping up. Russell Westbrook played pretty efficiently. Kawhi Leonard shot 50%. Yeah, you have an off-shooting night from Paul George and you get crushed on the boards. You're probably not going to win the game. What was your initial reaction, though, from seeing these four guys play together? 
it was that these guys looked like they'd never taken the court together in their <laughs> lives. It was at, as discombobulated of a performance as you'd ever see. Yeah. It felt very your turn, my turn. Mm-hmm. It felt like they were struggling to kind of balance the line of being aggressive, still being your own selves, but also deferring and making everybody else comfortable. For example, James Harden in the first quarter didn't even shoot one shot. And then in the second quarter, he scored the first seven points. And you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard who shot nine times in the third and only shot one time in the fourth and second quarter. So it was very weird. It was very all over the place. There were certain turnovers where you had guys running into each other, throwing premature passes. P.J. Tucker and Norman Powell literally ran into each other in the right corner at one point. We got a turnover. And the Clippers as a team turned the ball over 22 times, and 20 of those were before we waved the white flag and went to the bench warmers. So it was definitely a sign of a team that just had not played together. And the Harden-Russ fit alongside Kawhi and Paul George just looked a little clunky. It looked like we're taking the ball out of one of these guys' hands, and they're both the best with the ball in their hands. So there's been a lot of conversation around Clipper Nation and Clipper Media that one of them eventually will be moved to the bench. But the thing is, they're both stars. They both have their egos, and, and, and rightfully so. In Westbrook's case, he's been fantastic for the Clippers at the point guard spot, in my opinion, since yeah. he arrived. So it'll be hard to have that conversation with Westbrook, especially when he left the Lakers and didn't like coming off the bench. We kind of promised him that starting role. And, I mean, are you going to put James Harden, who just averaged 20 points and 11 assists, on the bench? So it's a tough line, and I think it's going to take a lot of time. And I think as good as it can be with all four of them starting, it still isn't seamless. So I don't have the confidence that it could beat Denver per se, especially if the Clippers don't make another move. What do you think is most likely to get better of all the, of all the potential fits, you know, the, your turn, my turn, um, the catch and shoot that Kawhi Leonard and James Harden have not traditionally been high catch and shoot players because they've been so heavy ISO players. What do you think is going to be the easiest transition for them to make here in the next, let's say, you know, couple weeks? I think it's going to be to set a pecking order that, look, Kawhi Leonard should be the guy that we run the most plays for to score, and Kawhi Leonard should be the guy that leads our team in shot attempts on a nightly basis. I think that's the one thing that I think will be a point of emphasis going forward. What would you have the most concern is not going to get fixed? The fact that Russell Westbrook and James Harden in the first six minutes or so of each half playing together alongside Kawhi and Paul George is tough because you want Russell Westbrook and James Harden to be comfortable, but also you're taking shots away from Paul George and Kawhi. I know it's cliche, but there's there's only one ball thing. It It really is a relevant point when you have four guys who are used to having the ball in their hands. It's not like you have a four person thing like the Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago where you had Klay Thompson who's capable of scoring 60 points on 10 dribbles in the whole game and Draymond Green who doesn't really care about scoring you have all these guys James Harden and Russell Westbrook great with the ball in their hands and then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard who as you said they're not just catch and shoot guys they're not bad Kawhi Leonard and Paul George especially Paul George coming off screens he's very good but you don't want to make them just catch and shoot guys because they'll lose rhythm especially Paul George I think Paul's a big time rhythm guy you need to give him a steady variety of shots not just one or two kinds of shots and i think that again teetering the line between being aggressive and not deferring too much is going to be the toughest thing to fix for all of them and don't forget bones highland he wants his shots too he got a nine in this game he and james harden took the same number of shots so again only one ball they're going to have to get this figured out and and let's not forget the defensive side this is going to be a small team if those four guys are on the floor together we saw it against the knicks 
They got destroyed on the boards. I know the Knicks do that to everyone, but like it it was it was crazy how small they look out there against a team like New York. Yeah, that's you just asked what's one of the, one of the things that's going to be hard to fix. That's another one. You now are starting those four guys as opposed to what the Clippers were doing before the Harden trade, which was Westbrook, Kawhi, Paul George, and either Terrence Mann. He's been injured, so Robert Covington was starting instead. Automatically, you get more size and more defensive tenacity. You have a guy like Terrence Mann who's going to guard the best player on the opposing team. Now you have in Westbrook and Harden two guards in the backcourt that teams can try to attack defensively, especially in the case of James Harden, who is not as bad as people might think defensively, but he's not good by any means. Stay up to date on the LA Clippers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Clippers on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, what does Washington have to do to break into the top four? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Washington Huskies took down USC this past weekend. They have had multiple high-ranking wins and still cannot pass Florida State and make it into the top four. Locked On Huskies host Roman Tomashov is asking what they need to do. And Washington, who had the biggest win on the weekend, not not numbers-wise, but the biggest win in terms of who they played, playing USC, um, had, had the biggest win of any of these teams. They put up 52 against, yeah, an Alex Strange defense. Yeah, it got him fired. If everybody knows, all the everydayers out there knows how much I, I you know, I, I relish the fact that Alex Grinch is, is no longer a member of the USC defensive coaching staff. Uh, but I think that one of the things that really is frustrating about this entire scenario just from a standpoint of why is Washington at five is they have the most impressive wins. Ohio's win. Ohio state has a couple of them too, right? Ohio state is the number one strength of record as the ESPN stat is. And they deserve that. They deserve to be inside the top four. Um, uh, I don't know about number one, you know, you can, you can kind of split hairs. I don't, I'm not saying Washington should be number one either, but they at least deserve to be inside the top four at this point point in time just kind of going forward they have another big matchup this week against uh utah who's at number 18 in the college football playoff rankings but i just think that there's a whole lot that needs to be said about just kind of the committee's double standard as again as greg Greg McElroy said where ohio state yeah oh they had a nice win over Rutgers, and then number two and three with georgia michigan oh it's the eye test michigan hasn't played anybody this season and they have a big test coming up this weekend they have to play penn state and if they win Great. That's a big win. And then Michigan, you know, they'll, they'll still have to play against Ohio state before the season's over. And a lot of things will, will work itself out there, but I'm, I'm just really confused with why Washington has to be the team that's left out in all this. And I think the Arizona state game is still weighing pretty heavily on the committee's minds. I'm, I'm sure that's a very big factor, but it's, it should almost be balanced out at this point. We may not have to wait long for this answer because Washington plays Utah coming up this week. They've got Oregon State coming up the week after. If they win both of those, there is just going to be no keeping them out of the top four. Their resume will be unquestionably better. Right now, 
This is a case of blue blood program versus non-blue blood program, both undefeated, plus Florida State has played a bunch of patsies. It has not been close in nearly every game that they have played. Now, they've played bad teams, but when you blow out bad teams, that makes all of your advanced metrics look a lot better, and the committee is using these metrics. Uh, It also makes it really hard for you to lose games if you're playing a bunch of bad teams, so you stay undefeated. Washington, meanwhile, they have some really good wins. They beat a top 10 Oregon team by three. They beat a top 25 USC team by 10. No, they're not winning these games by 30, but they're playing better teams. I think Washington is better than Florida State on a neutral field, and maybe they get a chance to prove it come playoff time. We'll see how this all shakes out. But this is why I try not to worry about the rankings week to week because by the end of the season, this will have sorted itself out. If Washington wins out, they will be a top four team. There will be no debate. And the only time these rankings mean anything is at the end of the year when they actually count for seeding. And finally, if USC freshman Bronny James passes a medical examination later this month, he will return to practice with the intention of appearing in game action this season. This would be an awesome conclusion to an incredible story. You'll remember Bronny suffered cardiac arrest during a team workout in July. He then underwent successful surgery to repair what the James family referred to as a likely congenital heart defect. This is awesome, and I cannot wait to see how it plays out. I can't wait to see him on the floor. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, what can we expect from week 10 of the NFL slate? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.